Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Alt Ministries podcast. I'm Trent Dean. Tonight, we're going to be talking about going further in our identity. Um, we're going to cover also the pitfalls of our own mindsets when it comes to things like self-denial, self-hatred, uh, things of that nature. One thing that I really want to do, and this will probably be the first episode um, in relation to this, is recovery. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I work in drug and alcohol recovery, and I have for many years. And there's lots of confusion on our identity, who we are, and how negative we can be, and how we focus on these aspects of ourself that are just completely negative and we relate everything through the lens of ourselves. So one thing I like to say is we don't see the world for how it is. We see the world for how we are. Meaning I relate to you. I think you think about me how I think about me. I think you see me how I see me which prevents me from all sorts of things. It prevents me from believing that you love me. It's, it prevents me from believing that your compliments are genuine. I mean, it is horrible. It is completely skewed and distorted and twisted and perverted in every way. So... With that, let's get into it. Um, a phrase I like to use very often, especially in treatment, is I call it the 365 degrees of me, or 360 degrees of me. And what I explain is the more that I hate myself, the more that I don't like me, the, bo- the more about me it becomes, the more about me life becomes. Um, cause I'm in such a place of need. I have such an, a, an enormous deficit that I have to get who I am through vicarious means, which most of the times means the people around me. That means you, I have to manipulate you, maneuver you and position you in order to receive from you the things that I don't believe that I have. And when I do this, I'm I'm always keeping you at arm's length. I'm never vulnerable. I'm never genuine, at least fully. And I have to, uh, how do I put it? I have to um, live at your expense. I have to put you in such a place to where I get to keep you close, but not too close. You never get to really know me. But at the same time, I get to leech and suck everything from you. In that area, we become servants to everyone else. We're slaves to everyone else's thoughts and opinions about us or our perceived thoughts and opinions. Because remember, we see it through a different view, a different lens than how it really is. I have to live at your expense. You're paying the bill for the things I don't believe I can cash. So I keep people around me solely for my benefit, not because I have anything to offer. And when we live in this place, it's, it's a strange place to be because 
it's more so that I I have to keep you in a place of giving and myself in a place of receiving, but I can't let that be known. Um, so when we've come to the end of your giving where I'm actually going to have to give back, all of a sudden you've done something wrong or something happens and I, and I have to push you away. If people have done this to you in your life or if you've done this to people, it's a very, it's not definite, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not trying to blanket statement everybody, but at the same time, it could be a very good indication that I am in need of something that I don't believe I have. When I'm in need of something I don't believe I have, I have to look to everyone else around me in order to get it. And that's a very, very tough place to be. It causes a lot of problems for the individual that's in that position because we want people to stick around. We actually crave what people have to offer and we actually want to be in that place of vulnerability. We want to be in that place of giving back as well, but we don't think highly enough of ourselves in order to do so. So if I'm in that place, say I'm, I'm insecure when it comes to my body. A lot of times that's going to involve a lot of uh, sexual activity. It's going to be promiscuity. It's going to be um, dressing certain ways. It's going to be presenting myself with the attributes that I believe that I hold or that I believe have the most value. See, if I believe how I dress and how I look has the most value, then I'm going to accentuate and exaggerate every single part of that aspect. I'm going to wear, you know, if, as a man, I'm going to try to be as in shape as I can. I'm going to have my hair perfect. I mean, I'm be so perfectly groomed and, you know, I have, I'm going to have the best colognes and all that kind of thing. If I'm a woman, it's going to be accentuating all the goods, right? You know, the, the bras that make the breast look good and, and, and the tight pants or the short revealing shorts, all, all that kind of thing. I'm going to do that because I'm trying to present something of value because I don't believe me and myself, my personality, my soul have the value that I'm, I'm trying to receive. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through these alternate ways, these, these bypasses, if you will, in order to show off the things that I think you find valuable. And I'm going to devalue myself in order to try to get that value from you. When I don't know what I'm worth, I'm always going to sell short every single time. Um, and I need you to see what I think you think is valuable. So it's this, it's this complete distortion of our own mindset. And what, I, what happens to me is I become a performer. I have to be a certain way. I have to present myself a certain way, act a certain way, be a certain way. All those things so that you like me. So that I present all of this... Um, all this value, but this fake value, um, this presentation rather to you that you hopefully find it appealing and attractive and valuable. So I'm going to present myself in a way that puts myself on display and I'm not, and I'm not even, 
I'm doing it for you, but it's costing me everything. It costs me everything to do that. I have to devalue myself. I have to evaluate myself through your eyes, or at least how I think you see me, how I think, what I think you find valuable. That's how I have to present myself in those manners. Um, Of course, that's not true. I can be I can be comfortable in me and I can present myself how I am and you can take it or you can leave it. So one of the problems is where this gets skewed and and misguided and misrepresented is when I simply don't believe the truth of God about myself, what he says about me, what he thinks about me, what he has said about me. If I don't know what I'm worth in the eyes of the one that created me, I am going to sell cheap. I'm going to sell out to the first bidder every single time. And it's going to be at the cost of myself, of my identity, of my esteem. It's always going to be at the cost of me. The reason I do that is because I have a, an untrue evaluation of myself. I've seen myself according to the world. I've rated myself by completely unfair and not even real representations. Um, you know, scroll through your Instagram or your Facebook or anything like that, and you see these picture perfect people. That's not reality, but we're trying to compare ourselves to something that's not even real, at least real all the time, or is perceived differently, a, a picture is different than being in front of someone and seeing them how they really are. I know plenty of beautiful people externally, but when you live life next to them, when you work with them or you know them on a personal level, you know the reality. And sometimes these people are not as beautiful as they present themselves. How many couples do you know that present the perfect life on these social media platforms, but at the same time are constant fighting and discord and bitterness and don't like their lives or they're going through these massive struggles, but you would never know from the outside looking in. It is unrealistic comparisons and expectations that we hold ourselves to. If I have these comparisons and I'm holding myself to these things, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to reach that status, at least in my own mind. I'm never going to reach that representation or that image that I'm trying so desperately hard to convey. It's, it's the same reason we go and we get these super expensive luxury cars that we can barely afford or can't even afford because we want to be seen in a certain lens. I have to have that so that people think I have this, that it adds value to myself, or so I think. Did you know that being a genuinely good, wholesome person, generous, loving, caring, interested, involved, all those things are so much more valuable in every possible way than your bank account or your social status or how you look physically. You will actually add value to people's life if you are a genuine, wholesome person. 
if you actually care for the person across the table more than you care about yourself. That's not devaluing yourself. That's not it's it's valuing other people over yourself that you're so good with yourself that you don't need anything from them so that you can love them without any expectation or strings attached. If I have strings attached to my love, that means my love is more about me than it is about you. I have to say, I have to get you to say you love me after I said I've loved you. And the reason I need to do that is because I don't actually love you. I just need you to love me. And we prove that when something bad happens and we bail immediately. I I don't know how they could do that to me. That means it was all about you the whole time. You're so offended that it happened to you that you have lost complete consideration for them in the first place. If someone wrongs you, that's probably a very clear indication that there's something wrong with them or in their life or in their mindset or in their heart or in their soul. There's something wrong. And the behavior towards you is revealing that very thing. And instead of having compassion and mercy because you are guilty of doing the exact same things that they've done, maybe different circumstances, different situations. I can't trust them anymore because they stole from me. But most of us have taken something that hasn't belonged to us. Well, I can't, I can't be with them anymore because they were unfaithful. How many times have you been unfaithful in friendships or relationships or your relationship with God? How many times have you gone against God? How many times have you been adulterous towards <laughs> towards God? And we're the bride of Christ. How many times have we cheated on him with the world? I mean, so we call everyone else guilty around us, but we've never even assessed our own guilt. and We've positioned everyone to have to perform for us, even though we're the ones in need. I have to get you to dance like a monkey because I feel like I have to. You have to cling the symbol together because that's what I feel like I have to do. If you're not up to par for me, then I go on to the next because I'm looking for the things that I need. I don't have actual value for you. And that's a problem. That's a problem. If I have to position you or you have to be a certain way to be worthy of my love, then I am misguided. Your behavior, my behavior doesn't rate my value. I have inherent value because I'm a person. I'm a human being. I have inherent value that can never, ever, ever be diminished. And if I rate you by how you're acting, I'm going to treat you how you've treated me. Uh Uh-oh. But Jesus says treat others how you want to be treated. And that's in spite of how they're actually treating you. If you want to treat everyone else how they treat you, then why are you surprised that you're getting the same thing that you're giving? Are you trying to tell me that you you have such a low pain tolerance emotionally and mentally that you can't take a wrong and see past it for the sake of the other? Is it so much about you that everyone has to everyone in your life has to be perfect all the time and they don't get any grace for their mess ups but you expect them to accept your apology when you mess up? Are we that hypocritical in our mindsets? Wow. Sometimes we are. It's not all the time, and that's how we can snake out of it, you know, and say, well, I don't do that. The point is that you've done it before, and so have I. 
We can't get out of it that easy because I'm guilty just as you were guilty. It's exactly why we have to see past the behavior of people and see the heart of people. That's why we have to get past what's been done to us so that we can do differently to others. I can't take what you did to me 10 years ago and relate that to every next person that's in my life. I'm projecting the past into the present and this destroys the relationship completely before it's ever even had a chance. Before it's ever even had a chance to grow or sprout or become something more or deepen or widen. And that's a problem. It's like we hold an arm out and don't let people get close, but we're also begging them not to leave at the same time. It's one of the symptoms of something they call bipolar type 2 or borderline personality disorder. Don't get too close. Don't get too close, but please don't leave. And I do that because I'm so protective of my vulnerable places that I won't ever let you get near them in the very moment that I do let you, especially when I let God get near my vulnerable places, that's pretty much the exact time that healing begins as well. That doesn't mean trust everybody with the most intimate places of your heart. That's not what I'm saying. But at the same time, you can't, because you couldn't trust a person in your past or people in your past, doesn't mean you can't trust anyone. And if someone wrongs you, that mean, that does not mean you can't trust them. It just means they've lost trust in a certain area. If I, lended, if I lend someone money and they didn't pay me back, I know I can't trust them with money. But that doesn't mean that I, I can't trust them with other things. I'm going out of town. Can they come watch my, you know, take care of my house and water my plants? They're probably still trustworthy for that, even though they haven't paid me back. In fact, they can come watch my house to clear up their debt. Instead of paying you, how about we call it even? But we completely cut people off because we've been wronged. And the only thing that we're trying to protect is ourselves. And most of the time, the very thing that we like the least is ourselves. The more I don't like me, the more about me it becomes. The more about me it is. And I'm I'm sitting here playing this, the world's smallest violin, right? And the song is me, 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 me. It's all about me. Especially in addiction, we, we find ourselves com- repeatedly doing these things to ourselves because we're so condemned in our own heart and our own spirit that we believe that we're worthy of punishment. So we actually continue to do the things that punish us because we don't think we're worthy of a new life, of a new way, of better and greater. So we continually self-sabotage our relationships, our lives, our jobs, all these things when they when it goes beyond a capacity of what I believe I can handle or what I believe that I'm worthy of. So I punish myself and I self-sabotage. We can't afford to live like this. What makes you so right about you? You know, you might be saying, well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what's been done to me. I've done some terrible things myself, and I've had some really terrible things happen to me. But at the end of the day, those things do not determine my value right now. How can I afford to live for 10 years because of a single event? How how does one thing get to determine who I am? 
Who told you that that's how it works? Who told you that because something horrible happened to you that it has to mark you and define you for the rest of your life? I don't find that written anywhere. Well, I can't get over it. That's because you're still identifying yourself as what happened to you or as what you have done. And neither one are true about you right now. Because when you think about it, and you think about having the same thing done to you or doing the same thing again, you get sick in your stomach. Your heart hurts and cries out. And that's the clearest indication that you have changed and you're no longer the person that did those things or had those things happen to them. So why do you still believe you are who you are according to what's been done? Where does your past get the right and the capacity and the authority to determine who you are now? Why do you have to live under the shadow of these things that have happened to you, under the shadow of the things you have done? Where does it have the permission to determine and evaluate you in this moment? Who told you that you have to live from the past? Maybe it's because you don't understand forgiveness. If you don't understand forgiveness, you don't think you're ever worthy of it. The whole point of forgiveness is that you're not, but you can have it anyways. And when you understand that you can have forgiveness, then you get to live from forgiveness. When you get to live from forgiveness because it's something that you have, then you can give it freely to everyone around you. You don't forgive people to get forgiven. You forgive people because you are forgiven. How are you going to give someone something that you do not have? How can I forgive you if I don't have forgiveness to give? It's a good question. In order to forgive you, I have to have have, I have to have forgiveness for myself. When I receive forgiveness from the Father and I understand that Father God has forgiven me and that I have the capacity to forgive others because though I was guilty, though I'm guilty of sin just like you are and he forgave me anyways and he didn't have to, then I get to forgive you anyways even though you didn't deserve it either. And I get to release not only myself, but you from this self-created prison of the things that we've done. And I no longer have to be a doormat for you, but I get to be a doorway to him. I can invite you in to the place that I've been. Because I've been with him, because I've been forgiven in him, I can invite you to the very place. Why? Because I know the way. And I can lead you there. And I can be the example of what I have, regardless of how you've treated me right now or 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. It doesn't matter. If I'm sitting here in bitterness and unforgiveness towards something that's been done to me, the only thing I'm doing is locking the door to my own prison, and it affects the other person in zero ways. It does not affect them that you are bitter in your heart right now. It affects you. And you say, you can't ever leave this place, and it has nothing even to do with them at this moment right now. Because they're not there. And if they are sitting in front of you, guess what? You can be forgiven anyways. You can be free anyways. You can be free in spite of. And then when you're free and you're forgiven and they, and they want to inquire what has happened to change your life so drastically, now you become the doorway and you offer the invitation into what you now have. 
How do I do that is what you're asking. His name is Jesus. And you believe what he says or you don't, but you cannot have it both ways. Either he's forgiven you and he says, forgive others as you have been forgiven, or you don't believe you've forgiven, therefore you can't forgive others. And you can't get past this stepping stone, this this stumbling block that's been set before you. And every time you, you try to step over it, you think it's an injustice towards what happens to you. Forgiveness has nothing to do with the act itself. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't justify it. It doesn't even, it doesn't make it okay in any possible way. But what it does is free you so that you can operate in the now and not have to live from your past. The thing that identified you for so long. Now you find your identity in Christ and nothing can rob from you what it did not give you. If he gave it to you, who can take it from you? Who? Who's higher than him? Who gets to assign the value of us? It's the one that created us. I'm a painter, so when I paint, and if I like a painting, it does not matter if you don't, because I'm the one that created it. I assign the value to it. If I want to put it on sale for $100 million, I get to do that. I get to assign the value of my own work. If I'm the workmanship of God, He gets to assign my value. And He spoke about what He thinks about me, what He thinks about you, what He thinks about His children. And either He's right all the way in every possible way from every angle, or He's not. And you get to decide. Why are you still crying out for God to give you what he's already given you? Why are you crying out for him to do what he's already done? Why not just believe it? Why don't you just see the truth and believe the truth? Because knowing the truth is what sets you free. Truth by itself does nothing until you believe it. Once you believe the truth, once you know it, then it sets you free. And free indeed will you be. He is freedom. Why? Because he can give it freely. How can he do that? Because he has it to give. And he offers it without any restraint. You get to be you. Free in Jesus Christ. Or you're a slave and a product of your environment and the things that have happened to you and the things that you've done. And you get to rate yourself according to unrealistic expectations and standards and feel bad about yourself all the time. Or you get to see what he's said about you and let it set you free. He says that I'm holy. He says that you're holy. That we're righteous, right in his sight. And that we're blameless, above reproach unaccused in his sight. So how he sees you is the reality of who you actually are because he's the one that made you and he's the one, only one that has a say. When you don't believe it, you are disagreeing with God. You are disagreeing with heaven. We cannot afford to live that way. Unless you're the arbitrary of your own universe, unless you have the ultimate say in everything, then maybe you are right. 
and you have no reason nor capacities to move on. So why are you trying so hard? How can you say, well, they're, you know, they seem to be happy and they seem to be all that. Well, they're not you and you've determined you already. So why try? Why are you trying to push so hard against the reality that's unchangeable? It makes no logical sense. It's because subconsciously, you know, it's not true. You know, it's not true. Something deep down tells you it's not true because everything in us understands and agrees with our Creator. That's why you push so hard against it. That's why you fight it. That's though you feel like that's why though you feel like your your life is in the in the gutter and that there's no possible way out. That's why in those quiet times, that still small voice tells you, hey, you know it doesn't have to be this way. You know things can be better. You know you need to fight. You know you need to do all this. That's him. That's what he's placed in you. That is the reality that we know that we're, we're just grasping at straws and clawing away at trying to get, but we're trying to get it through these alternate and counterfeit means that don't actually give us what we're hoping to get. And the and then it's like drugs. It's You have a little bit and then you need more and then you need more and more often. And all of a sudden you're a slave to everything around you because you think it's adding value to you and it's not. You already have the value that you are looking for. And until you believe that, you're never free because you're always a performing monkey. Banging the symbols away, trying to be better. The problem with trying to be better is that we've all tried to be better and we've all failed.